All right, just before we look at Acts 1 and 2 um, and take a look at the Pentecost uh, and all the implications of that, let's pray just to start. Dear Father, we just thank you for um, your spirit. And as we have sang and worshipped and just about the difference that your spirit makes when um, we are in tune with, with your spirit and we are in tune with you. And Lord, we just ask you that as we look at this passage, give us wisdom, give us insight. Also that your Holy Spirit would make us receptive soil, our hearts receptive soil, to apply what we can learn and what we can see here. And uh, we just pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So today, uh, Dallas and Leah are um, at LifeLink's pastor's retreat. And uh, they have both been speaking this week. And I think Dallas also speaks uh, this morning. So uh, if you can remember him. And um, last Sunday, we had, we had, oh, and, and they did want to say that they, they do say hi. So also to the, uh, there we go, the online people as well. Those online, hi from Dallas and Leah. Um, as well, uh, last Sunday, we just, we had Brendan Gibson. He was here and he was speaking on the Ascension. And so the ascension is when Jesus is taken up to heaven uh, in bodily form. And there is a strong connection between that event and Pentecost. Uh, the ascension happened about 40 days after um, uh, the crucifixion. And the Pentecost happened 10 days later. Pentecost was actually a festival, a festival that all, like it showed in the video, all people from Jewish people from all over the place came to Jerusalem in order to celebrate that festival. And it was about the first fruits. In other words, giving sort of the first of your harvest from your garden, your harvest from uh, two back to the Lord as a tithe. And um, in some ways, in many ways, this is symbolic of the Holy Spirit being part of the first fruits of God's gift to us, right? His gift of salvation. And so we're going to take a look at Acts 1 and Acts 2. So we're not going to go through every verse, but I'm going to sort of pause on hover over several different verses. And the first part I just want to see is interesting at the beginning of Acts, and this is where it's going to overlap with the ascension, is that Jesus also ministered in the Holy Spirit. And that's pointed out here. So if we look at um, uh, Acts 1, and then we see how the Holy Spirit um, enabled Jesus to minister with, to teach with insight. And this, so he was teaching with insight, and this is verses 4 to 5. And I'll maybe back up a little bit, and I'll start at 2. Um, it says, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, and then it says he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so one of the things here that seems sort of striking is the fact that Jesus also needed to minister in the Holy Spirit. We think he was God. Why did he need to minister in the Holy Spirit? It's obvious why we need to, but why did God himself, Jesus, need to minister in the Holy Spirit? And I think part of it is that that goes to his whole connection with why he came to earth in human body, um, took on the form of a human, and he actually limited himself. He set aside a lot of his divinity um, not that he wasn't God anymore, but he just set aside some of those privileges and powers and authorities. And he ministered the same way we have to minister. He also had to pray before he ministered. He had to pray before he chose the disciples. Um, he also had to pray and connect with his father for strength, right? And he also needed the Holy Spirit to minister effectively. And that just seems like a bizarre bizarre idea. But I think what Jesus wanted to do is Jesus wanted to model for us this is how you do ministry in human form with all the same limitations. 
Um, and so he did model this posture of dependency. And um, I know for myself, lots of times I like I'm like my brain is sort of whirling around really, really fast. That doesn't mean it's doing amazing things. It just is whirling around really, really fast. And I think, okay, we got to start the tech meeting and here we go. And we got a tech meeting and now, you know, and I'm like, and I'm like five minutes, we're five minutes into the tech meeting. And then I like all of a sudden realize, oh, we didn't pray at the beginning of the tech meeting and we need to pray. We need for tech. Text does not seem like a very spiritual ministry, you could say, but we need God's help. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his wisdom oftentimes to unravel obstacles and, and difficult things that happen. So, so that's something that I need. It's easy to forget that uh, posture of dependency. And this is what uh, Jesus modeled here. And he also modeled one other thing that came about by his uh, dependence on the Holy Spirit was also the fact that he also had a sense of timing. And I think for myself, I often don't think of timing. I just, I get an idea and then it's like, zoom, off I go with that idea. But but Jesus knew, hey, the, the disciples are going to need to wait, okay? They're going to need to wait, and, and the Holy Spirit isn't going to come instantly. It's not gonna come, he's not going to come tomorrow. The Holy Spirit is not going to come um, in three days. The Holy Spirit, he's going to come in 10 days. And so he just said, you're going to have to wait in Jerusalem, and they didn't know how long. But I think because Jesus was in tune with the Spirit, he also had a sense of timing. And I think with ministry that we do in church— there is an aspect of timing. When, when do we, you know, sometimes you want to do something, but it's not the right time. Or you want to say something to a person, but this isn't the right time. This isn't the right situation. They're not in a space where they can hear that. And you have to wait for God's leading and timing. And that's also what Jesus models here. Um, then if we go to uh, the next point, B, teaching with power, we see this in verse 8. And before, just before we get there, I'll start with verse 6 there. Then the disciples gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And again, the disciples are, they don't have the Holy Spirit at this point living inside them permanently anyways. And they still do not, they don't have a sense of God's timing. They don't have a sense of God's priorities. They're still thinking that Jesus is the Messiah is going to kick out the Romans. Um, that thought has just, they have never let go of that thought about Jesus is going to kick out the Romans and then we won't have these soldiers, you know, demanding that we have to carry their equipment for them um, a mile or whatever it was. So they were off track and yet Jesus is, brings them back on track. He says in verse seven, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there was power and it was also directed towards their enablement to be able to fulfill the mission that, that God had for them. And so um, he is trying to tell them, hey, don't lose your way. Don't lose your focus. Also, don't get off track. It's easy sometimes for us to get off track. We get all obsessed with, I think, prophecy Prophecy is probably an area of the Bible that I'm sort of most, I've often been most scared of or most, uh, I don't know, most avoided maybe or most fearful of because it seemed like when I was growing up anyways, when I was in Bible school, there's often all these, you know, okay, what does this prophetic part mean? What does this prophetic part mean? But I don't think that's what God intends. God intends us to enjoy prophecy and enjoy those prophetic um, passages in the Bible that talk about the last days and use them more as prompts to be ready, right? It's more a concept of readiness as opposed to knowing the exact date or time. It's the fact that, hey, Jesus could come back anytime and we need to be ready. 
As Jesus said in the parable of the servant, he said, when the master comes back, you shouldn't be beating your other servants, right? You should be, you should be doing exactly what God gave you to do. And uh, so that is... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, so you know, yeah, we, we generally try not to beat P, you know, uh, we, as staff, we don't get, Dallas is pretty good, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't generally beat us, so, um, yeah, he's kind, so, and, and God will, I mean, God, you could say that Dallas needs to be ready, like, Dallas needs to be ready, like, like, he is accountable for how he is a pastor to us, right, how he pastors the staff, how he pastors the congregation, and each of us is accountable to the people that God has placed in our sphere to minister to, right? And um, we can also get an unhealthy focus another way as well. And we can focus maybe in a geographically uh, narrow way that maybe isn't what God intended. Where all we think about is we just think about what happens right here. We just think about our little group here and that's it. But God said several times, Jesus says, before and afterwards, he says to them, look it, you need to go to Jerusalem, right here, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And he, and he said that a few times. Those were his last words, some of his most important words. And so our focus needs to be the same. And you see that in this trifecta of generosity. One is the one third of it, part of it is the church, right? And our, the expenses involved in, in us moving to the Roxy. So we have more, more room for people to come. Um, the second one is camp. Right, and that's sort of like that's kind of you could say a little bit outside. Then that's that's the kids and youth in the neighborhood, right? And we're expanding. That's an expanded. And then the other one is to the ends of the earth, which involves Ukraine, which involves the voice of the martyrs, which involves um, Pakistan. So it's like expanding out. And so that trifecta of generosity shows that focus on three levels, which I believe is what Jesus wants us to have. Um, so the second uh, part here, this is. We're going to look now at the church ministering without the Holy Spirit. And one of the stories in the Bible, in the New Testament anyways, that's always confused me a little bit that I've never quite been sure about is this story about where they're going to choose a 12th disciple to replace Judas. I'm like, why do they do that? And it doesn't seem like anything happened with that. It seemed you never hear of Matthias. And if anything, you hear that Jesus chose Paul seems to have chosen Paul as the 12th apostle, right? 12th disciple. And made sure that also Paul saw him with his own eyes, right? Um, so let's take a look at the things that they do without the Holy Spirit. And I think that will provide a good contrast then when we have the Pentecost in the middle, the coming of the Holy Spirit in the middle, and we'll see how did the church change and we can compare those two halves. Um, one of the things we see is that they... Um, came back from the Mount of Olives. It says these 11 guys came back from the Mount of Olives. They came, they went to the place where they were staying. Okay? Now, they were staying in an upper room. You can imagine these guys, they're like fishermen and all kinds of things like that. 12 guys, 11 guys staying in a room. You know, it's going to smell like probably a high school locker room, right? So it's like, and yet, the women joined them probably when Mary, the mother of Jesus, got there. She probably opened the windows, let some fresh air blow through. And this is where they prayed, and they prayed together. So it seemed like even though they didn't have the permanent, the Holy Spirit dwelling in them permanently, personally, they still didn't get everything wrong. That was definitely right. They, they were listening. They were remembering the teachings of Jesus where Jesus said, hey, you need to pray, where te- Jesus modeled praying, Right. So, so that's there. And it says in verse 14, it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. 
So that's pretty cool because Jesus' brothers were not always for Jesus. Jesus' brothers were actually very against him and didn't believe he was the Messiah. But now they have, which is neat. Then the next thing we see is, if we go to the next point, we see the word with fuzziness. And I don't know how to explain this exactly or how to say it, but it just seems like Peter, Peter sometimes when he doesn't know what to do, he just does something. Doesn't know what to do, he cuts off someone's ear. Doesn't know what to say, he just starts talking, right? Like he's just, that just seems to be who he is. It almost feels like he did a little bit of that here. They were waiting, and waiting is really hard to do. Waiting is not easy, right? Just like to wait on the Lord and wait. Like we want, we want to do something. We want to go, go, go. And here, he was waiting, but he still decided, hey, you know what? While we're waiting, why don't we uh, choose a 12th disciple? So he picks picks out a verse here, and one verse says... Um, the one verse he says, for Peter said, it's written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. So in other words, from that verse of David talking about wicked men that were going after him, he's saying, maybe we shouldn't choose another one, right? And, um, then he chooses another Psalm. And in this Psalm, he sort of like, points it down. And there's another verse. And he says, may another take his place of leadership. Again, he's talking about wicked people that are trying to, are out to get him. David is. Um, but Peter just sort of jams these two verses together. And then he says, therefore, which I don't understand how that happened. Therefore, it is necessary for us to choose one of the men. Like, how did he get that conclusion from two verses that were both going in opposite directions? But somehow he did. So choose one of the men who have been listening with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living with us. So it just feels like Peter's using the Bible, but he's not really using it very well. And I think, You know, the Bible, Paul, in Ephesians 6, he calls the Bible the sword of the spirit, right? So it's a, it's a weapon, it's a sword, but it's of the spirit, which means that if we're just swinging that around without the Holy Spirit, we're liable to cut off someone's ear. And it's important to use the word with the spirit's guidance, right? With the spirit's insight. And so I think for ourselves, one application point would just be, are we using, when we go to the word, do we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us? Do we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give us insight? Um, give it, make it fresh for us, right? Because some of us maybe uh, are not, a relationship with Christ is not something we have right now. But others of us, maybe you just became a, a believer in Jesus. But some of us have been believers for a long time. And sometimes when you read the word, sometimes you just begin to think, oh, I've read this before. I've read this before. But the word is so deep that if we have the Holy Spirit, he will continue to show us deeper and deeper and deeper um, insights in there. So then the next thing Peter goes to is using dice. And here they, um, they nominated Joseph, not Jesus' father, but they nominated another Joseph, and they also nominated Matthias. So these two guys, they nominated and they say, you are going to be the disciple to replace Judas who betrayed Jesus. And in verse 24, it says, then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast Lot, and the Lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. And it's not that this is, like to us, this sounds really strange. Like, what are you throwing dice for? Shouldn't you be praying and asking God for direction? For them, it wasn't as strange as it is for us. For them, it was like, there actually was, in the OT, in the Old Testament priesthood, a pocket in their robe where they kept two, essentially, dice. They were called the Urim and the Thummim. 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 Anyways, it's hard to say. Um, but that was where they, and they would, and sometimes they would use lots, cast lots in order to make decisions. 
But for us, it's still a little bit weird. I mean, can you imagine if, you know, if I, you know, kept a couple of dice in my pocket and then I come to staff meeting and Dallas is like, okay, take out and Glenn, it's time to throw the Urim and the Thummim. And, you know, that'd be crazy, you know, but, um, but for, but in actuality, that's what they did here. So, um, one of the things that I think we sometimes do is it is sometimes for us, it's more, I don't know if I want to say relaxing. Um, I would say it's more, um, we sometimes feel like mechanical things that are solid give us a feeling of solidity. It's like we grab onto something. So if we can grab onto a, not there's anything wrong with psychology, but sometimes we grab onto a little a psychological questionnaire to do something, or sometimes we grab onto this computer tool to do this or this, that. And so um, it's easier for us to grab onto a tool sometimes than to rely on the Holy Spirit. And I'm not against tools. I'm not against tech. Um, I, I'm, that's one of my roles here at the church is that the areas of responsibility but I think we always have to make sure that we're not over-relying on that and under-relying on the Holy Spirit. Um, this last week, um, we're working on updating the website. And this last week, I was thinking, you know what? We have all this text, little blurbs of text and text and information that we have to put in the website. And instead of me having to write all of that or other people having to write all of that, why don't we just ask you know, chat GPT, and it's the AI, the artificial intelligence that can, that can do this for us, you know? And so, um, so I got my, you know, I've never been on it before, and I got my little, uh, you know, registered for, registered for it, and I go into chat, and the very first question I ask it, I'm very polite, I asked it, please describe the youth ministry at the Rock Church in Saskatoon, and I'm hoping this will give us the blurb that I need in order to write the website. So, Anyways, the way that an AI works is it, it, it generally, like the way this AI, from what I understand anyways, is basically does a Google search. It takes all that stuff, summarizes it down, and then it uses a natural language processor in order to take those ideas and put them into a nicely written English paragraph, um, which, which is, is great. It's, um, it can be helpful. It can be very practical in terms of just getting an answer to something and getting something nicely summarized and written out. Um, especially, you know, considering that everything on the internet is true, you know, that, that can work really well. But um, anyways, when I asked, the, the AI actually responded, ChatGPT responded back when I said, please describe the youth ministry at the Rock Church in Saskatoon. said, you need to visit, it's best to visit the church website and get this information. And I'm like, darn, that was, uh, I was trying to get out of work and now it's just bounced that work back on me instead of refusing to do it itself. And for me, that impressed me. I wasn't impressed with regular, but to me, that's true intelligence. I mean, if you are trying to get out of work, that shows real intelligence. So, you know, that was, and, and I think for us, it's just, we feel sometimes more secure when we have mechanical things that we can rely on, whether they're organizational methods or whether they're um, uh, other, you know, tools that we can use, computer tools that we can use. But God wants to make sure that our prime reliance in ministry is on the Holy Spirit and not on some of these other tools. Um, so let's take a look at the church ministering with the Holy Spirit. And this is Acts 2. The first thing we see is that they were enabled and empowered for mission. So it says, 1, when the day of Pentecost came, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 1, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be the tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And here, like if you were, if you noticed in the video, 
um, what the video was talking about is it was saying that in the Old Testament, fire was a symbol of God's presence, but it was a single, it was like the pillar of fire that was, went with the Israelites, right? It was like the, the fire that was over the tabernacle, symbolizing God's presence there. It was like the burning bush with Moses, right? Which also symbolized God's presence. And now suddenly that symbol is being used in a different way. Instead of one like a pillar of fire being over this church. Instead, there's like a pillar of fire over each believer, symbolizing the Holy Spirit is now come to dwell, not just in the tabernacle, not just in the temple, not just in the church, but in each individual person, each individual believer. And so that is, that is amazing. And also, I mean, I think it's cool, you know, being, uh, having done some teaching of like English literature, poetry, Irish poetry, stuff like that. In my background, I do enjoy symbols. And what's cool about God is that God doesn't just give us a company manual to look through. The Bible is not a company manual. You know, the Bible is filled with symbols. And, and here you see, this is audio visual, right? This is like, you see the audio part, which is this sound of a huge violent wind. And then he's got the visual part, which is the flames of fire over top. Um, God uses visual and uh, audio media to communicate with us. And I think that's, that's really neat. He knows, he knows how we are made because he made us. And so I think one of the things that we want to remember is just do not discount the privilege that we have as believers in the post-Pentecost age as opposed to the Old Testament believers. We have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit in us. And we need to not just realize that, hey, that is a privilege and don't, don't, uh, don't ignore the privilege. Don't ignore um, all that we have and having his spirit inside us and seeking to start our day with the spirit. It says walk with the spirit. It says keep in step with the spirit. All of that is, by, is about being with the spirit through your day and having him being in tune with him. And um, another thing we see about the empowered part is uh, it says all of them, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And as someone who has gone, I've gone to another country, I've tried to learn that language, and it is, learning another language is really hard work. It's incredibly hard work. And here, um, but, but God is still saying it's worth it. God could have had them speaking in Greek, which was sort of like the common language of the day, right, for the Roman Empire. He didn't. He actually had the evangelistic invitation, the invitation to the heavenly wedding banquet given delivered to them in their first language for each of these Jews that had come from all these different countries over that area. And so that is, that is also really neat that God said, hey, I'm going to empower the Holy Spirit. And sort of the first time the gospel was shared in this way, the Holy Spirit just brought this huge amount of supernatural power to deliver that message and deliver it in their own language, which is really neat. And also too, there was an aspect of waiting for God's timing. Right? Like what would have happened if the disciples would have said, ah, I know Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, but you know what? We've waited a day. Let's go out. Let's start getting Samaria to the ends of the earth. What would have happened? They would have missed that opportunity at Pentecost when Jews from all over that area, all over every country had come to Jerusalem. And so Jesus knew that that was the timing they needed to wait for. And same for us. 
I need to wait for timing. Uh, B, the word with clarity and boldness. And in, again, you might feel like I'm, I'm sort of foisting this on the passage. Maybe I don't know. But to me, the, the way that Peter preached or shared the word in the first chapter is very different from the way he shares the word here. And I think one of the things we can see is also the result of a ministry. The fruitfulness of a ministry also sort of is a mark of the Holy Spirit being involved. When you see a ministry, the result of a ministry, or even if you as an individual go over to talk to somebody that needs encouragement or is pain in pain, and you're going, I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'm going to say to this person. But you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, and suddenly that person is just tremendously encouraged. They're just like, you have just done amazing the result just seems like way more than your meager human effort, then that is the Holy Spirit there. And I think that's what we see from this preaching. It resulted in 3,000 people coming to the Lord, right? And so here we see Peter saying, uh, these these people are not drunk, as you suppose. Now, again, this is a little bit confusing. If you see people speaking in all these languages amazingly, and it's like they all know Greek and Italian and, and Arabic and, and Mongolian or whatever it is that they are Hindi or whatever it is, or Amharic, um, they know all these languages. You wouldn't necessarily think, oh, alcohol did that. That, that was alcohol. <laughs> it's like, generally speaking, increased learning and rapid learning doesn't happen under increased alcohol consumption. <laughs> Just in case anybody's you know, confused about that. Um, so, yeah. So, anyways, he says these people are not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he uses a verse from the Old Testament in the book of Joel. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So he's talking about the pouring out of the spirit and supernatural things happening. Like these people suddenly being able to speak in all these different languages perfectly and communicate the gospel to all these Jews that were there from all these different countries. And so here you see he takes a a verse, it applies to the situation, and then when we go to, uh, just to, to point C, supernatural fruitfulness, we see the result. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So in contrast to the first to chapter 1, where Peter used the word of God, but it didn't seem to have any effect. Like, We never hear of Matthias as a disciple after that. We never hear him mentioned, but we hear of Paul mentioned all the time. In fact, he wrote most of the New Testament. So that's that's really something that's amazing. And I think that when we see 3,000 were added to their number, 3,000 became believers. So if you're here today and you're wondering, what does it mean to be a believer in Jesus? It's not a complicated thing. He just says you need to repent and believe and be baptized. And it's, it's very simple. It's like we go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. And baptism is then a symbol of that, right? Baptism is a symbol of saying, hey, I'm going to leave my old self in the water and I'm going to rise out of the water and to my new self now. And the new part of the new self is that he's made us a new creation inside through the Holy Spirit also dwelling in us. So... Um, and that's, I think, supernatural fruitfulness is something that we, we need to see. We need to see in our, we need to see like when we pray, it's good to, what I do try to do is I do each day, I try to record what I pray and ask God for. And then the next day I look back and I see how did he answer that prayer for that day? 
And sometimes I, I put a yes, a Y. I put a Y and that shows, yes, God answered that. Sometimes I put a Y with an exclamation mark. Y with an exclamation mark means God answered that prayer in like an amazing way that I can't explain by just coincidence. So, so I would also encourage you to take a look and try to say to God, hey, I want to see you do, I'm going to give you this meager, my meager human effort and then I'm going to look and see what are you going to do with that this week? Whatever, whatever that is, whatever um, ministry or whatever assignment or mission uh, God sends you on. And part of that, I think the Holy Spirit also, I think part of it is listening to the Holy Spirit. I think if we are in tune with the Holy Spirit, we also know when the Holy Spirit suddenly says, you know what? You need to go talk to that person. Or you see that, that, that neighbor over there? They just had this. If you did this, that would be a big encouragement to them. And if we listen to the Holy Spirit, then he will prompt us more times. And I believe that if we don't listen to those promptings to act, to minister to somebody, I think the Holy Spirit's voice in our ear goes quieter and quieter, right? But as we listen to his promptings, then we, we can hear those with greater clarity and look for supernatural fruitfulness. So the last point is fellowship sweetened. So this is the fourth, uh, the fourth thing that we see as a result of the church ministering with with the holy spirit is just a supernatural uh fellowship that is just hard to explain by hey we're all nice people we're trying to be nice we want to say nice things we want to you know have nice conversations we want to want to be nice want to say here's my name um but but it can't be if it's the Holy Spirit is involved in our fellowship. It's a lot more than what can be explained by, hey, we're just like a little club that meets on Sunday. No, it's going to be the things that we're going to see here. All believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there was just amazing things going on here in their fellowship that couldn't be explained by just the fact that, well, they were a group of nice people, right? There was things you see here where it's just like a togetherness and encouragement, a sharing, um, and just like seeing the word and seeing that have an impact then on those around them, right? They said they enjoyed the favor of all the people. People were being added to their number daily. And so there is a sweetness. And I think that one of the things for us is that if we, if, we, if we can be in tune with the Spirit, then I feel like, and have that, that concept, then what happens is God uses each one of us in our own unique ways. You don't have to, we don't have to stand up here with a seminar and say, every single person in this congregation needs to do exactly this tomorrow, and then the next day you need to do this, and then make sure you do this each time. Um, but no, the Holy Spirit guides us and he uses each of us the way that he has created each of us to be. And our gifts and abilities are different and our personality is different and the people we know are different, right? God has put us in different, you could say, parishes, right? There is an Anglican concept of a parish where the priest was responsible for that neighborhood of people. And in some ways, God has given each of us a parish. Who are the people in our uh, perish. Who are the people that God has put us in contact with? Fellow students, fellow co-workers, uh, relatives, family, neighbors, uh, friends, that kind of thing. So I'll maybe ask uh, the worship team uh, to come up and now as we close. And 
just let's try this this week. Um, just one thing to focus on and think about is just, can we keep our eyes open in a posture of dependency on the Holy Spirit as Jesus did? Um, and can we see God empower us for mission? You know, sometimes we don't know what to say to a person to encourage them or what to do to encourage a person, but God can give us ideas. His Spirit can give us ideas. Or can we also see the word, maybe the word feels like stale bread to you. You're like, man, I've read that story. I've read that in the Bible. I've read that chapter a whole bunch of times. And, but ask the Holy Spirit to, he's the one who wrote the book, right? It says that the men moved by uh, the Spirit, as they were carried along by the Spirit, wrote, wrote these, these uh, scriptures. And so just that aspect of the Holy Spirit in us, helping us to understand the book that he authored. Um, and then a supernatural fruitfulness. Let's wait and let's see if we can see. We give God our, our human offerings and then we see what is God going to do with that. And we pray that he will multiply it. And then that actual fellowship of sweet fellowship where there's a sweetness to our fellowship, to the spirit being here, allowing us to encourage each other in a, in a supernatural way uh, as we interact together. So as we remember Pentecost this Sunday, let's just not forget. Let's remember the rich treasure that God has given us of his presence in us. And we are going to celebrate that now.